Blog Talk Radio. Lack of practice 
a lack of practice and him coming out of shape, and it seemed like they really favored Tajay Sharp, who you interviewed uh, during this past draft season, Chris, and saw him uh, down at the uh, East at the East West Shrine game. They really seem in love with him, but that's a lot of pressure on a on a on a, I think a fifth. I think he was drafted in the fifth round. That's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure that they're putting on putting on Sharp to perform. But what was your initial thoughts when you heard? this move of going from Nashville to the city of brotherly love. Well, it's, it's the type of move that you you expect from a uh, Mike Malarkey, uh, you know, obviously mm-hmm. a guy that uh, knows his offensive lineman uh, very well, him being a former uh, tight end, uh, you know, obviously being uh, on the uh, offensive line uh, early on in his uh, playing career, um, you know, I mean, here he is acquiring a backup offensive lineman, not even a starting offensive lineman, but a backup offensive lineman, uh, and he trades away a guy that – now, now remember, he wasn't the head coach when the uh, the Titans selected Doriel Green uh-huh. Beckham, but he, he was still a part of the team uh, last year, and it, it was a surprising move. I mean, especially, uh, you know, seeing this trade go down, I mean, may, maybe – uh, you know, we, we don't really see too many player-for-player player trades uh, anymore in the NFL, especially with a player that has the ceiling and the potential uh, that Doriel Green Beckham does have. So, uh, obviously, it made all the sense in the world for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, we know about all the baggage that comes with Doriel Green Beckham, and we're hearing that maybe he wasn't all, all committed and that the Titans weren't very uh, impressed with what he's done throughout the offseason and, uh, showing the commitment to the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, they did bring in uh, uh, Tajay Sharp. They, they drafted him in the fifth round, and uh, by all reports, they've been very impressed with him. He's expected to have a pretty big impact and a pretty big role on that Titans offense uh, this season. Uh, Rashard Matthews is also a guy to look out for with the Tennessee Titans. They just brought in Andre Johnson, so uh, a lot going on there with the Tennessee Titans wide receivers. And, uh, you know, I guess they, they just didn't feel the commitment there with uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, so it was either get in or get out, and, and I guess they kind of felt that uh, Doriel Green-Beckham just wasn't giving it his all with the team, so they decided to dish him out, and, and uh, you know, it looks as if all they were able to get for him was a, a backup offensive lineman. Um, I, I'm curious, because you're, you're obviously there in Philadelphia, Javon. You're, you're, you have a better pulse around the Philadelphia Eagles than I uh, what was your initial reaction? I know you're a big fan of D, uh, DGB coming out of college. Um, again, a guy that really does have a lot of potential and uh, uh, obviously a wide receiver needy team. Uh, it seems like it could be a pretty good fit. Yeah, when I first heard the news actually, after I woke up and whatever thing and got myself together, I was I was excited about the move because, like you said, you know, despite the guys off the field issues in college, you know, for the most part, he's pretty much, you know, stayed, he's pretty much stayed on the straight and narrow in the NFL. You know, he hasn't really gotten in trouble, as I remember in the NFL so far. He really hasn't gotten in trouble. He's pretty much, you know, played football, you know. You had a practice thing and not coming into shape, coming in this shape, you know. That, so that's an issue, but we all, we all, we also got to remember people that are criticizing about that, especially the Titans or whatever else, people that criticize him, he's still only 23 years old. He's still only 23. He's young. You know, he's going to have those days and stuff where he doesn't affect it. But, we, uh, but then on the flip side, people will say, well, he's a professional athlete. This is his job. Da, 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 da. 
So I know that, you know, I know that side of the whole side of the fence. But when you look at just Dorio Green Beckham, the football player, the dude, is, he's a monster. You know, the Eagles lack a number one wide receiver. And people might call me crazy for saying this, but I think if he can come in and pick up the West Coast offense, which, you know, a lot of people said in Tennessee, it was never about him missing meetings or anything. He always went to meetings. It was just that he could pick up the offense. And I don't necessarily know what offense they ran. Steve, I don't, I don't know what offense they ran, but I'm pretty sure he can. He, I'm pretty sure he could possibly pick up the offense better here in Philadelphia because of the West Coast offense. There's not really a lot happening per se with the West Coast offense. He's going to have a head coach who was a quarterback. He's going to have an offensive coordinator who was a quarterback. He has a wide receivers coach in Greg Lewis who's played in the West Coast offense, and Greg Lewis was the Saints wide receivers coach in New Orleans, and we've seen what he did with, you know, with guys like what we've seen in Brandon Cooks and company. You know, he, he did a good job with them. So I want to see what he can do uh, here with the Eagles. I, I'm excited. Like I said, he gives them a number one – he gives them a big number one target. I mean, you got a dude that's six foot five, six foot six that you can just stick on the outside and just have a big target just to throw, him, to throw it to. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, you, you think about it, if him – you come on the outside, and then if Nelson Aguilar can get his act together and actually play confident football, you can put him on the outside, and you can actually put Jordan Matthews back in his regular spot in the slot. Do you look at that wide receiving court just with those three? That's not pretty, that's not that's not bad at all. DGB really makes that big of a, makes that really that big of a difference. I mean, if you put him on the Eagles last year, his statistics: thirty-two catches, five hundred forty-nine yards, and four touchdowns. That would be second. That will be second out of the Eagles wide receivers behind Jordan Matthews. So I like the move personally. I think Tyler Roseman kind of robbed the uh, Tennessee Titans. More like Sam Hankey them, you know, a little bit and gave them hair, take Dennis Kelly, and, you know, we'll take Doyle Green Beckham. But I really hope it works out, Chris, because this this Eagles wide receiver core wasn't nothing to, wasn't nothing to you know, be happy about. We looked at the first season game. It wasn't good. Ruben Randall looked uninterested and looked uninterested in playing. Nelson Aguilar couldn't get off of, couldn't get open. Josh Huff couldn't get open. So I'm really excited to see what he does. He won't play in this Thursday game, obviously, but he will be with the team on a Thursday. And who knows? We maybe see him in the game that, in the game where it counts the most, the third preseason game against the Colts mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. So I'm excited for the move. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a, a big. Uh, you know, what, 6'5", 230, 235-pound target on the outside. I mean, a, a big deep threat there for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, I think Eagles fans should be excited to uh, see what, what Beckham brings to the offense. I mean, uh, we, we kind of talked about the wide receivers that they have already with Jordan Matthews probably being the only proven wide receiver on that squad uh, right now, uh, along with now, Doriel Green Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, a first round pick from last year. Josh Huff has a lot to prove this year. I think this is going to be a make it or break it year for him. Um, and then, you know, we haven't even brought up the uh, the tight ends. I mean, Brent Selleck and uh, and uh, Zach Ertz. Exactly. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of firepower there, it looks like. Um, and it's funny because we, we weren't really just saying that just yesterday, but Doriel Green Beckham could bring a lot to this offense. Yeah, you're totally right. He. Definitely, he definitely could bring a lot 
uh, a lot to this offense. And I, even, like you said, I failed to mention the tight ends. I mean, this definitely helps them out a lot because I was thinking about this, you know, even before this trade happened, you know, with Jordan Matthews being hurt right now, the wide receivers not being open, not being held, not being able to get open, does that mean we're going to see more two tight end sets and going to have to sell it be more of like passing targets? You know, I don't have, I don't have a problem with Zach, uh, Brent Sully getting some touches. The man deserves to get some touches there, but he was pretty much like a sixth offensive lineman in Chip Kelly's offense, but that's a whole other different story for a whole other day where I'm back <laughs> Chip Kelly and his offense. I got a gripe to pick with him in San Francisco, but that's a whole other deal. And as we, you know, talk about offense uh, here in the NFL, also something else happened really interesting in the NFL last week. It's kind of, I think it was like Friday, if I'm not mistaken, this happened Friday. The Buffalo Bills came to a long-term contract extension with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think it was for six years, 93. I think it was six years. I'm not sure on the years, but I know it was for $93 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty. It's an interesting deal. I, I'm looking at the finance, looking at the finances. It's uh, really interesting how he can possibly, uh, if he plays his way into the 2017 option bonus, he will receive an additional $27.5 million. So this is a very interesting contract that the Bills put together for Tyrod. But what are your thoughts on, you know, Bills signing Tyrod Taylor? Because this is the first time in a long time, Chris, where the Buffalo Bills actually have some stability at the quarterback position. And it's pretty – and it was a guy that they did not even draft. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I don't even think they really expected Tyrod to even be in, be in the running for the starting job last year. I think it was down to E.J. Manuel and – Matt Castleton, and then uh, all of a sudden here comes this former uh, six-round pick, the, the backup for four years in Baltimore, uh, and Tyrod Taylor sneaks up behind everybody, uh, wasn't on anybody's radar, and then here he comes and, and snatches up that starting job. And, you know, all he does is, uh, what, become the, I believe, second. Yeah, this, uh, this was Trey Ringo who had this stat, um, Trey Ringo of ESPN. I mean, only two quarterbacks in Bill's history has had 3,000-yard passing, 20 touchdowns and completed 63% of their throws, and that would be Tyrod Taylor last season. And then, uh, you know, only Jim Kelly, a, a Hall of Famer, uh, also did <laughs> that in Jim Bill's Kelly. history. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously well-deserved. I mean, a lot of people are going to say, you know, did Tyrod really just catch lightning in a bottle last season? Is he going to be a one-hit wonder? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. Um, and, and, you know, we, we of course, you're going to hear the comparisons to the mobile quarterbacks like a RG3 or, you know, someone in, in that nature. But uh, I think Tyrod Taylor is just a totally different animal. And um, I think Buffalo did the right thing. I mean, I think he was only on a, a one-year deal worth a million, maybe up to $3 million last season. I mean, it, yep. it was really a team-friendly deal. Again, um, I, I don't think anybody really expected Tyrod to – blow up on the scene like he did last season being a pro bowler. Um, and then obviously you heard talks about him and his camp wanting a new contract, a new deal heading into this season. Totally understandable with what he was able to do last season. Um, and, and they did the right thing. You know, they didn't wait it out too long. They didn't make it to, to be uh, too much of a story and get into the headlines kind of like the Ryan, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets did this off season. Um, and they were able to get this done before the season. I think it was a smart move by the Buffalo Bills and obviously well-deserved by Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he made the most of his, most of his opportunity when it came because there's no way he was going to be the starter in Baltimore. 
You got Joe Flacco over there uh, on a, on a long term deal, a uh, former Super Bowl champion there as well. So, uh, you know, he moved on from Baltimore, took an opportunity in, uh, in in Buffalo where he's seen an opportunity there that maybe others didn't, and uh, ultimately he was able to win out and obviously win big now with his six year over ninety million dollar contract. Yeah, it's a huge deal, and like you said, you know, a lot of people didn't expect to expect Tyrod to be this guy. You know, we came into last last year around this time. You know, he was like the I think he was like the number three quarterback because Buffalo was really it was really a race between Matt Castle and EJ Manuel. Like they did not want to give up on EJ, and I understand I don't want to give up on EJ, but I had this realization while getting ready for the show that's just some quarterbacks just aren't starting quarterback material. They're just backup quarterbacks, and that's not. That's not to be mean or anything or to be or be or anything like that. But some guys aren't started. Some of them are just career backups. I mean, shoot, look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's made money being a money backup quarterback, and somehow just has lightning in a bottle, and you know, just makes it happen to be a starting quarterback. So maybe that's wrong for EJ. But like you said, Tyrod Taylor, you know, stepped up big time. He brought something to that Bills offense that they haven't had in years. He brought electricity to that offense. You know. The stuff that they can do with him, they can't do with EJ, and they can't do with Matt. They can't do it with Matt Castle. The plays that they run, you know, the things that defense is have to focus on with him, Shady in the backfield, and you know, Carlos Williams if he can get in shape or whatever. <laughs> Reggie, I think they have they have Reggie Bush too in that backfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just look at that, and then wide receiver options: Marquise Goodwin, um, um, Watkins. I mean, it's loaded. That is a loaded team, and they had to cash in because to win anything in the NFL, you need you need a, you need a consistent starting caliber quarterback, and they got the entire Rod Taylor. And you know, Chris, that leads me to the Buffalo Bills this season. Last season, they finished eight and eight. They knocked the they knocked the Jets out of the playoffs last year, which was kind of shocking. You know, Fitzpatrick in the do that interception, and it just kind of ended the ended the Jets' um, pretty much excellent season for the most part, uh, outside of that game. But the but the Bills finished eight and eight last season. And Chris, you know, think about this. We just said it. They got their quarterback pieces on offense. The defense is still good, but they're going to be missing Marcel Darius probably for the first four games of the season, which is going to hurt that defense. But they still have a good secondary led. By um by Ronald Darby as, as as their corners who was outstanding last year as a uh, as a rookie you know is Rex Ryan on the head on the hot seat this season because eight and eight they got to do better than eight and eight and more and I think they can but I don't think they're going to win the division but it could be in contention for that for one of those two wild card spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's so hard to say because you don't really know where you're going to get out of the out of the Miami Dolphins this season. Um, you, you expect the New York Jets to be as good, if not better, this season, um, and, and then Buffalo—they're they're kind of like Miami. They're kind of like a wild card. Um, although I do mm-hmm. expect them to be better than Miami this season, um, but like you, I mean, they they have a chance to to contend for that wild card spot. Obviously, New England's still going to be the favorite in the AFC East with Tom Brady missing the first four games of the season. Um, they could probably go 0-4, and, and somehow, some way, uh, Tom Terrific will still find a way to win, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, 11, uh, 11 games and, you know, be on top of the AFC East. But, uh, 
you know, just to answer your question, uh, it, it, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I kind of get the sense that the Buffalo Bills are kind of already tired of uh, Rex Ryan and his act that he has. And, and obviously you, you would think that they would know uh, who they were getting, seeing as they've seen him two times a year when he was with the New York Jets. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's put up or shut up for Rex Ryan uh, this season. I mean, you, you got to get over that 8-8 eight and eight record. I mean, uh, it kind of seems as if, uh, when I think of Rex Ryan lately, I think of eight and eight, um, kind of like uh, when you think of the Dallas Cowboys or, or you know, kind of these uh, mediocre teams nowadays. Um, and when you think of the Buffalo Bills, eight and eight, that doesn't seem too bad, seeing as where they've been at over the last, you know, 10, 12 exactly. years. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the talent they got now, they just locked up their quarterback. They have one of the league's top running backs uh, in LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, he has to stay healthy this season. You have a dynamic wide receiver. Uh, and Sammy Watkins, um, and then, like you said, I mean, the, the, the talent on that defense, and that's what's going to be key because defense really struggled. And obviously, you bring in Rex Ryan as your head coach, that that's probably uh, what you expect to be your strong point. Instead, that was the Buffalo Bills' weak point uh, to their team, and obviously losing uh, probably their best player, uh, if not on the team, certainly on the defense, and Marcel Darius is going to hurt them a lot. He'll be out the first four games, as uh, you mentioned uh, earlier on uh, as well. So uh, the defense is certainly going to have to step up. I think the, the, the Bills' offense will be able to hold their own and uh, put points up on the board, but but the defense is going to have to step it up. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to win more than eight games. I mean, they're, they're going to have to go nine and seven or ten and six. And uh, I think I think uh, that they're probably going to have to make a, a wild-card appearance um, in order for Rex Ryan to uh, keep his job. So, uh, yeah, I think it's make it or break it uh, for uh, for Rex Ryan. I totally agree with you. And, you know, when you think when I, when you just, you know, when you, when you mention Rex Ryan antics, you know, the first thing that pops into my mind was how undisciplined this Bills team was last season. So many penalties, so many penalties that killed them in a lot of games. I remember when he played the Eagles and he just had penalty after penalty after penalty. And you're just like, Really? You guys can't get – y'all guys can't play disciplined football? And that starts with the head coach. That starts with the head coach and his personality, how he runs things. So that's a problem. They're not disciplined enough, then they won't win. They won't – I'll say this. If, if the defense doesn't play well and they're undisciplined, they will not win eight games this year. You cannot do that, especially in the AFC. You can't do it. That will not help you, and that won't help you in the National Football League either. But – like you said, they got to get nine, nine wins or ten wins to make a wild card spot. And if they do, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy for the Bills because they have endured so much pain since Jim, since Jim Kelly, you know, left <laughs> this quarterback. They had to deal with the, uh, oh, God, uh, uh, let me say, I'm trying to think, Rob Johnson, uh, God bless the J.P. Lossman, Lee Evans days. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. When they try to make, make J.P. Lossman the hope, I mean, I never saw – a quarterback from Tulane and getting drafted. Kelly Holton before. Oh God, yes, yes, Kelly. <laughs> who could remember? Who could remember Kelly? Kelly Holcomb. Oh my gosh, and that's Holcomb with an E at the end of it. With the E, uh-huh. Kelly Holcomb with the E at the end. Oh man, but they did have Marshawn Lynch, but that was before Beast Mode became actual Beast Mode. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's another downside. They they traded away <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> right, and then he blows up and becomes. Beast mode and gets the two yeah. Super Bowls and wins one and should have won another one, but again, that's one never pop. That's one of the podcast one of the day. But hopefully, the Bills can turn it 
around, and let's stay in the AFC West. Let's stay in the AFC, well, not AFC, but let's, let's stay in the AFC and go to the AFC West here, Chris. And let's talk about the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are, very, are very, in a very peculiar, situ, peculiar situation for a team that's, was a, that's a Super Bowl champion, a defending Super Bowl champion. They're in a very peculiar spot because their quarterback, Peyton Manning, who retired, which needed to, because Lord knows he played horrible and somehow made it through that Super Bowl throwing ducks. But he made it through. You know, Peyton's gone. Brock Osweiler said, peace out. You're not going to give me money. I'm going to Houston. He went to Houston. They lose uh, Malik Jackson on that defense, Danny Trevathan. I mean, they took a, they took a hit. They took a hit on that defense and on offense, and right now they don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. It could be the Sanchez. It could be Paxton Lynch. Don't got any, don't know a nickname for you, Paxton, but we'll find one for you. And then they have coming in from the rear, the seventh rounder, the GOAT from North, from Northwestern, Trevor Simeon in, in the race as well. Are they are they a, are they still a threat in the AFC West, Chris? Because I got the I got the feeling that they're not. I personally, I personally like the Raiders to win the West this year. Mm-hmm. I really do. I like the Raiders to win the West this year. I like what they got on offense. You know, I love the Derek Carr, Amari Cooper combination with combination with with, with Crabtree as that solid number two wide receiver. It seems like Crabtree has kind of found a rebirth in Oakland, which is you know, which is excellent to see. I love what they got on defense. I mean, oh my God, uh, Job Ward, Mario Edwards Jr. when he's healthy, Carl Joseph. Uh, I mean, Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin. I mean, uh, I like the addition of uh, Sean of uh, Sean Smith. Sean Smith, the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that team is loaded. But you know, do you think that the Broncos are still a threat, or is there is or is there a team in that division that will uncrown them and take the crown from them this year? Yeah, you know, I I think there's still a threat. Obviously, just winning the Super Bowl, and they did kind of take a hit in, uh, from from uh, losing free agents, kind of like the uh, the what was it, 2012 Baltimore Ravens. They they lost quite a bit of uh, mm-hmm. pieces as well, and then they I, I believe they missed the play. Um, I don't know if I'll go that far into saying that Denver will miss the playoffs, but I certainly think they could uh, be they they could lose their crown of the. Uh, AFC West that they've had for the last uh, handful of years, um, ever since what uh, the, the Tim Tebow year, I believe um, they, they've been they, they've been the uh, AFC West champions. So um, I, I do believe that they could get knocked off uh, from uh, the the, uh, the conference champion, <clears throat> um, division champion, excuse me. But um, you know, it, it's just I mean, we've already pointed out talking about Tyrod Taylor. I mean, you need to have a quarterback. Uh, a reliable quarterback to win anything in this league. Um, you know, obviously we've seen that the defense uh, still does win championships, but if, if you're if you're having a Mark Sanchez or a Trevor Simeon line up under center, um, that could only take you so far. Uh, I, I could easily see them winning a, a wild card spot, but as of right now, I mean, um, it, it's hard not to like a team like Oakland or even a Kansas City uh, who was in the playoff last season uh, in, in the wild card spot, knocked off uh, Brian Hoyer and the Houston Texans in the wild card game. I mean, that was an ugly game for uh, Hoyer and the Texans, but uh, oh, obviously, I, mean, I think you could make a make an argument that the AFC West is. Uh, well, I mean, it, it certainly is one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. But um, I mean, just with those three teams right there. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to. I mean, you can make an argument for each team to win the win the division. Um, 
Yes, it's going to be a lot tougher for Denver this year, obviously, and that all that all begins with the, the quarterback position. Um, I, and I think it was – I've seen a tweet floating around. Adam Schefter predicted that Paxton Lynch will be the team starter uh, toward, uh, come the end of the season. I'm not even going to give it that long. I, I'll say by week six, I think uh, maybe even earlier we'll see uh, Paxton Lynch line up under center being the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. But um, – yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting uh, race to watch there in the AFC West. And, uh, I mean, if I, had to, if I had to say right now, yeah, I think Oakland is also uh, the favorite to win the division. I mean, and you can't, again, can't sleep on uh, Kansas City either. I mean, uh, it's, going to, it's going to be tough for Denver, no doubt about that. A lot, a lot tougher uh, than years past. Yeah, you're right about that. I keep on forgetting about Kansas City. I don't know why I keep on forgetting about Kansas City. Like, they have Alex Smith, Jeremy Macklin, Travis Kelsey, Jamal Charles, Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware. That defense is still loaded. A little suspect with no Eric Berry right now. That's a little – that's a problem. That's a problem, Kansas City. got to do something about that. That's a problem because you already don't have no Sean Smith. You don't have no Eric Berry. You know, Marcus Peters, he can only cover one side of the field by himself. Uh, you still got Demarius Thomas and Manuel Sanders in Denver, and you still got in Oakland. You still got Omar Cooper in in Crabtree. So you got a little problem. To, uh, you got you got to get it fixed up and get that situated because there can be some problems. And no disrespect to the but, but you want to sign Eric Fisher to a four year, forty eight million dollars a oh, year. That was ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, for, I, for, I, for, I forgot Eric Fisher was a first round pick. I forgot he was a first yep. round pick. First overall. Didn't he go to Central Michigan? Didn't he go to Central Michigan? Yep. Right yep. Shout out to the Chippewas. Doing it for the Mac. Mid-majors. Doing it for the mids. Doing it for the mid-majors right there. But, yeah, get him $48 million. But, hey, Eric, you know, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. You're a little bit too old. We'll think about giving you on your money. Nah, so you don't get to no guy like Eric Berry. He's a veteran. All pro. All pro right there. You yep. just don't do that to that man. And like I said, no disrespect to the Chargers. We forgot to mention the Chargers. No disrespect. Yeah, to the yeah, the Chargers. That's right. <laughs> but they're 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 just they're just in that they're just in that limbo purgatory realm. You know, they're like the like I make this I make this this you know comparison all the time. They're like the Atlanta Hawks of the NBA when the Hawks had Joe Johnson and Josh Smith, where they were just like that six feet all the time. It's like the Chargers. They're just always there. You just don't know what to expect from them. They're like going to be in that. They could be like that team that's like eight and eight, nine and seven, mediocre, eighty-eight, nine and seven, and still find a way in the playoffs and then somehow make a magical run if they get hot. Because they are, they always, they already, they always have uh, Philip Rivers who goes a hundred all day long. So <laughs> and he does, he does, he does, he does, he does. He's better, he's better than Stephen, better than Stephen Rivers, better than Stephen. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> but that's the wrap up on the AFC West. And, you know, let's hit these last few topics before we head off uh, for tonight, and let's look forward to this pre this week in preseason. Seven games on the uh, not seven games. Excuse me, a full docket of, of preseason action this week uh, beginning on Thursday night. What are what is the storyline you're looking forward to watch for in week two? Because everybody's got the week one jitters out of their way. All the rookies got the week one jitters out of the way. The veterans, all right, all right, I got through my first drop. Thank God I got I got through that. All right, now I got to make it through week two. But what specifically are you looking forward to in week two, Chris? And it's okay. You can buy and say something about the Bears and Patriots. It's okay. You can go that route. I understand. 
<laughs> oh, you, you you already know. I mean, obviously being here in Chicago, and I mean, it's kind of made a, a nationwide story over the last couple of days. I mean, uh, the, the physicality and intensity between the Bears and the Patriots uh, joint practices the last couple of days. It's been uh, very interesting to say the Super least. Bowl I mean, you got a couple of uh, again. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And you got a couple of uh, former Chicago Bears on the Patriots in Shane McClellan and Martellus Bennett. McClellan has not been practicing though uh, the last couple of days, which uh, which is interesting. You would think that uh, he would want to participate against his former team, but uh, I don't know if there's an injury or anything there uh, that we got to keep an eye on. I don't know, but uh, there, there's been a lot of fights, a lot of brawls just over the past two days. Um, a couple surrounding former Bear Martellus Bennett, which is uh, very interesting to say the least. Uh, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on this Thursday. Um, but but you know, looking at some storylines in the in the preseason, um, you know, I, I mean, this is one not only to keep an eye out for this this week in particular, but uh, really the, the remainder of the preseason. I'm curious as to see uh, if Tom Brady is going to be uh, seeing any playing time at all this preseason. If they're going to just uh, you know, uh, so, uh, if they're just going to commit all the time under center to Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett, make sure they're ready uh, when their number's called. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo expected to start the first four games, but uh do happen. Don't wish them upon Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, injuries do happen. And uh, if they do, Jacoby Brissett is uh, looking like he'll be the next guy up uh, after Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'll be interested in seeing if, Tom Brady, whether or not he'll see any time this preseason or uh, if he just comes back week five cold turkey and uh, ready to go uh, right then and there. And then, uh, obviously, sticking with the Patriots, I mean, got to show some love for uh, their six-round pick, Kyle uh, Bruger Hill, who is, uh, it seems as if he's kind of exceeding a lot of expectations. It seems like there's already a little bit of a fan base there in New England with him. Uh, obviously they have him listed at outside linebacker, the same position he played at Eastern Illinois, which is interesting seeing as he's a little bit undersized at 6'2", 220. Um, you know, he, he's expected to play this the, the, the rover-type position, you know, uh, outside linebacker slash safety. Uh, he even uh, split out to cornerback uh, a player or two against the Saints last week, uh, a guy that's all over the field. Um, he's even uh, calling the plays out uh, in the huddle. So, uh I'll be interested in seeing if, and Bill Belichick indicated that we might see this, um, if he sees more time on the defensive side of the ball because uh, when he was out there on defense against New Orleans last week, I mean, he he was all over the field making plays, making tackles. I think he ended the game with uh, five tackles and a pass deflection or two. So going to keep an eye out on the Eastern Illinois uh, alum, not only Jimmy Garoppolo, but Kamu Bruja Hill this week against the Chicago Bears. Um, on defense and special teams. So those are a couple of uh, storylines I'll be uh, keeping an eye out, uh, you know, week two and uh, really throughout the rest of the preseason. All right. I like those. I like those a lot. You're you're enticing me to watch that game just because of, of Rouge Hill <laughs> and Jacoby. You know, I got love for Jacoby. I need to go get my oh, yeah. hook in with a brissette jersey. Got love for got love for that man. Uh, some, some, some of the uh, storylines I'm looking forward to next week is Number one, and I see the highlight just popping up on my computer screen right now. I want to see the RG3 Terrell Pryor combination work again. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that show was so that show was so beautiful on uh, on 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 opening on last week. Last week it was oh my God, it was just so beautiful that forty nine yard first bomb possession too. RG3. I believe. Yes, first play. Oh man, RG3 showing you that he still got the arm 
to get it down there. And Terrell Pryor just looking really well as a wide receiver. I'm really happy that he's found his role in the NFL and really seem like he's making it stick and, you know, can be a, well, be a, a be a, a capable wide receiver next level. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, I'm looking forward uh, to the Miami Dallas game. I want to see what Dak Prescott does in his second again in his second appearance. You know, his, his uh, debut last weekend against the against the L.A. Rams. You know, great great debut. Ten to twelve uh, passed in 139 yards, two touchdowns. Looked like a looked really well out there. Uh, made the right throws. Hit his wide put the ball where his wide receivers could only make plays that still showed a nice touch on that deep pass for a touchdown to Terrence Williams. You know, looked really good out there, you know, really silenced the critics that said, Hey, uh, Dallas might need a backup. No, 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 not so fast. Hold on on, hold that off. He doesn't they don't need that yet. And then lastly, I wanna see what happens in that in that, in that San Francisco Denver game because that's gonna be an interesting game. Blaine Gabbard gets another shot. At being as himself as the number one quarterback, as he did not do a good job last week, despite Shaquille's offense. Oh, so great! Like they had like 302 yards, but they still lost 24 to 13. So again, that's the downside to uh, Chip Kelly's offense right there. Just want to see what Gabbard does. See if he can cement himself as that as the number one quarterback. Because even though he had one touchdown pass, he was still four for ten, which is not accurate enough for Chip Kelly's offense. And I, I thought you wanted to see what arm. Christian Ponder was going to do in the Chip hey, Kelly offense. Hey. Oh, 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 God, no. No, 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 no. If it was Sad Lewis, you know, I would love Sad Lewis. You know, I'm the biggest Sad Lewis fan. Shout out to Duke University on that one. Big Sad Lewis fan <laughs> right there. Anybody that listened to, anybody listened to WXT radio knew how big I was when Dad was the, was, the, was the starting quarterback in Buffalo, and I used to pick them to win games like, go, Sad, go. That is the man right there. That Lewis and I want to see yeah. I want to see what I want to see what Blaine does and I want to see what the quarterback is there in uh in Paxton Lynch. I want to see who stands out in that quarterback battle. So that's gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you said, whoever somebody somebody somebody's got to stand out and say I want the ball, coach, make me the leader. So we'll see who becomes that overall leader. All right, we got about seven minutes to go, so we save the best topic for last. Our breakout players to watch for this season. You, Chris, you're on. You are now on the clock. Who is the breakout player you will be watching for this season? Oh, well, if you guys uh, obviously followed me on Twitter, I went on a, a little uh, rant on Friday um, talking about talking about uh, Minnesota Vikings tight end uh, Michael Pruitt. I, I really think this is going to be a big year for him. Obviously, year two was a uh, fifth round pick last year uh, for the Vikings. Um, didn't have a, a great impact, you know, was mainly just a special teams player. I think he had something about uh, 10 receptions, 90 yards, you know, again, not, not a huge impact. Um, but obviously th- this year, year two, uh, kind of, he kind of knows what, what to expect now. And, um, you know, just, just looking at the weapons surrounding Teddy Bridgewater there uh, in Minnesota, I mean, of course, they're going to be a run-first offense. How, how, how aren't you going to be a run-first offense when you have Adrian Peterson in the back? Um, you, you draft Laquan Treadwell in the first round, obviously pair him with Stephon Diggs, who I also think is going to have another big year. I thought he was fantastic as a rookie last year, especially, uh, again, another, what, six-round six pick. Um, you know, I mean, again, a fantastic year. I think he'll have an, another big year for the Vikings as well. Um, and then uh, you also got uh, Kyle Rudolph, who, uh, you know, I think is 
about about the second half of the season, him and Teddy Bridgewater really started to get a, a really nice uh, chemistry going. Uh, and, and you know, just just so many. You, you, a lot of people are probably saying, "Oh, that that's there, there's so many targets right there. How is Michael Pruitt going to uh, get his fair share of receptions and whatnot?" Well, I, I think of it as this. I mean, uh, there, there's been a lot of reports saying that the, the Vikings have been running a lot of two tight end sets. And uh, obviously, with, with Treadwell on the outside, Stefan Diggs opposite side of him. Um, I mean, AP in the backfield, and then Rudolph. I mean, you could only cover so many guys. Uh, and I don't think, as of right now, my Cole Pruitt is on too many uh, teams' radar. Um, you know, so so I, I think my Cole Pruitt. I mean, he's fantastic at Southern Illinois. Maybe I am being a little a little biased here, but a uh, <laughs> fantastic receiving target at Southern Illinois, and obviously caught the attention of NFL scouts. Um, you know, throughout the combine, being the fastest tight end in the 2015 class with, uh, I believe, a high 4-5, uh, 40-yard dash. And there, there's so much more to that. I mean, uh, fantastic hands. Um, as a tight end, I mean, you, you can run nice nice routes. Um, you know, not nothing that, that uh, Laquan Treadwell or Stefan Diggs would, would run. But, uh, again, very respectful route runner for a tight end. And I think that, uh, you know, just with so many targets there in Minnesota, uh you know, I think my Cole Pruitt is going to be a guy that's going to stand out at the end of the season. You know, he's not going to put up uh, numbers that a starting tight end will, but uh, I think he could uh, certainly pave his way to uh, maybe one day becoming the starting tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, uh, if not, I mean, he'll, he'll be a reliable receiving target for years to come. So uh, my Cole Pruitt uh, entering his second year with the Vikings, watch out for him. I like it, Michael Pruitt. If you listen to this podcast, remember the hashtag push for push for Pruitt. Definitely yeah, the hashtag yeah. for free season. Push for Pruitt because we are rooting for that man. And my breakout candidate, I got to wrap this up. My breakout candidate is not a Philadelphia Eagle. It's actually Melvin Gordon, the running back for the Chargers. A lot of people were calling this man a bust, and were thinking that he was Trent Richardson because he couldn't find because he couldn't find the open rushing lane on this on the Chargers offensive line. But you know what? I'm sticking with Melvin Gordon. He had a down rookie year, but that was due to injuries and due to some inconsistency and poor, and poor play on the Chargers offensive line. I know I'm letting y'all in on some letting y'all in on some information, but you can all find it out on my story for Real GM, which will be coming soon, hopefully this week. Uh, talk about that as, as Melvin Gordon is my breakout candidate. I like I, what he showed last week. You know, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's fast. He's a bowling ball. He's a he's he's a real he's he's a he's a he's a, he's a football player. He's talented, and you know. He has he had his rookie his rookie woes, but I don't see that happening this year. I think he I think he had a great year. I think he actually hits a thousand yards rushing this year. I really do. I think this is this is breakout year for the Chargers. And that's gonna wrap up the podcast here on Block Talk Radio again. Everybody, thanks again uh, for tuning in once again. As I said at the beginning of the show, we will find we will eventually put this all together as one podcast. Come up with a name or whatever. Oh yeah. Any, maybe, and if you got any suggestions on what our name, what our name of our pod, our podcast should be, you know what y'all can do. Hit us up on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at JoeVineSense. Follow Chris on Twitter at ChrisChanFL. Uh, follow Total Sports Live on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Like the Facebook page. Check out TotalSportsLive.com. A lot of great content on the site this week, especially with Dorio Green Beckham trade. Great story up there on the site today by Kurt Jenkins. Uh, about what Beckham brings to the Eagles, um, to the Eagles wide receiver unit. Also, follow follow the NFL, follow the NFL Draft Bible. Follow them on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible, and also check out Chris's podcast. Yes, the CS podcast is up and running with interviews. Chris just did a couple of interviews with Doug Moore, 
Patriot, pretty much a Patriot, Patriot writer. He's all over the interwebs. It's, all, it's, all, it's already on YouTube. Check that out, that interview. And also he has an interview with Billy Reed from uh, Southern Illinois, the wide receiver, as the Salukis are trying to rebound from a 3 and season with a new head coach. So check that out. Subscribe on YouTube right now, the CS Podcast. And I think that's pretty much everything, Chris. I think we kind of put a bow yep. on everything. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the TSL podcast, Siobhan. Always a blast. And, uh, yeah, we'll get this podcast set up uh, very soon. So uh, you, you guys be on the lookout for that. Definitely. So for me and Chris, everybody have a great uh, rest of your week and enjoy the preseason action that's going to happen this week. And, you know, check out our Twitter feeds. A lot of interesting football talk happening on here. You never know what you'll find out. But hey, that's the that's the that's the that's that's, that's football season for you. Everybody have a great rest of your week.